This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? Pretty good on my adventure so far. I heard that you hurt your foot. Must have been that funky bow and arrow thing that was a reference to another movie in the trilogy. Do you have big hairy feet like a hobbit, Monica? I'll have to say no on that one. Okay, good to know. This is episode number 76 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we, we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler for your review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. And the second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers, so if you've already seen the film and you'd appreciate that type of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. As always, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com with your thoughts on whatever we're talking about. You can also call and leave leave us a voicemail at 336-793-2509. We would love to hear from you. We're about to talk about The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Monica, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what this movie's about? This film was directed by Peter Jackson and picks up where an unexpected journey left off, with Bilbo Baggins on his way to the Lonely Mountain to help Thorin and his group of dwarves reclaim their kingdom. This time, however, Gandalf leaves them to go investigate a new evil, so they won't be able to rely on his magic when they finally encounter the terrifying dragon known as Smaug. Here's a clip. You've changed, Rupert Baggins. You're not the same hobbit as the one who left the Shah. I was going to tell you. I found something in the Goblin Tunnels. Found what? This is part one of our episode on The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, so we're just going to take ten minutes to give some general spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. I am starting the clock now. Monica, what did you think of this second installment in The Hobbit trilogy? Is it enough to say that I liked it because it was better than the first one? It is better than the first one. I will grant you that. I liked the first one, but I did not really love it, and it's not the kind of film I would want to revisit, though I did actually end up revisiting it before going to see this one. Yeah, you were planning to do a double feature, I believe. Thankfully, that did not happen. I, I don't, okay, don't, yeah. I was too tired. I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. That is an unexpected journey. <laughs> yeah, an unexpected journey is, it's, it's a weird, uneven movie. Like, the first time I saw it, I liked the first half and not the second half. And then the second time I saw it, I didn't like the first half and I liked the second half. It's just so uneven. There's no, it's not a very consistent film. I think in my review, I 
kind of may mention that The Hobbit is kind of like the latter-day Star Wars episodes, where it's just like, it's not all there, it doesn't have the same oof to it, and the story seems really stretched out. It's very stretched out, and, you know, originally they were going to split The Hobbit into two films, but then they decided to split it into three. And there's just not enough material. Well, while I do think there are parts of this second film that are enjoyable and interesting, and and, and I, I do think there are some improvements, it does still feel bloated. Yeah. So there are part. there's a part of me that's like, oh, well, I like some of this stuff that they're playing around with and, and, and that they're doing. And then there's another part of me that's like, but really, do we? is it really necessary? So it's a very strange series. I'm hopeful that the third one is actually going to be really, really good. Yeah, right? It's on an incline, right? <laughs> Let me ask you this, Monica. Were you entertained throughout the whole way through? Or did you, like, start off entertained and then not get entertained or... Vice versa. I thought it was a little odd. The I guess the separation of Gandalf from the guys, where it becomes too many stories. Then you have the orcs on the side, and then you have the elves having their drama. Then you jump back to the dwarves. Then you check back in with Gandalf and whatever the hell he's doing. I, I actually liked the, the switching around a bit. I thought that it added to the scope of the film. Uh, yeah, to an extent. I think if it, maybe it did it too much. Well, if it, if it was the kind of thing where if I was getting bored with one part of the story, it would jump over to another part, and I'd be like, okay, thank you. Okay, fair. So I, I liked that. The, the thing about this movie is that for the first, I don't know, probably 40 minutes, mm-hmm. I was kind of bored. It's not that what was happening on screen wasn't interesting you're right it just didn't have that same oomph yeah like i remember when we talked briefly last year about the first hobbit film we mentioned that there's a scene in in an unexpected journey that almost feels like a ripoff of the minds of moria scene Mm -hmm. well the one of the first big action set pieces in the desolation of smaug feels very similar to an action set piece in return of the king which one well with everything with the spiders oh well yeah it does in some ways feel kind of like, well, we've seen this before. This is kind of like a Lord of the Rings greatest hits type of thing, I guess. It's kind of hard because we're still playing in the same universe. So even though we, you know, we met the Wood Elves for the first time, other than Legolas, um, who we know from the original trilogy, it's still pretty much familiar-ish territory. Orcs are still the bad guy. Well, yeah. And, and see, once they meet the Wood Elves, though, about 40 minutes in, that's when the movie started to pick up for me. I did like the Laketown scenes. Yeah, they, yeah. There's Lake Town. There, I, I think that after the 40 minute mark, the movie does really start to improve and start to find more of a focus. And part of that is just because they introduce a few new characters, and they actually start to develop some of the smaller side characters in small ways. Mm-hmm. Not in really great ways, but they they're at least doing something. And that is what I think was missing from An Unexpected Journey. In An Unexpected Journey, all of the dwarves kind of felt the same. There was no real depth to any of the characters beyond, we have this goal to reclaim our kingdom. Is it bad that I still can't tell the difference between a lot of them? No, no, no. And like, maybe facial hair? Maybe. That's not your fault. That's not your fault. Okay. And they all end with like, L-I, and they end their name, Keely, Gimli. Right. But they start doing a little bit more with them in this in this installment, which is good, because I think one of the things that made the Lord of the Rings films work so well 
is almost every member of the team had his or her own issue. Yes. Or his or her yes. own personality that they were trying to tackle, even if it was just Legolas and Gimli and yeah. their little games with each other. And this one is a tribe. <laughs> right. <laughs> to keep track of, not like five characters. Right. There's more of them, and I still think that they could imp- they could have done a better job distinguishing the different dwarves. But they, they do make some additions that I like. Evangeline Lilly is in this film as, uh, as a new character that is not in the book. Yeah. And I actually, I actually liked her. I was going to say, uh, the overall reception that I've seen so far are a lot of positives. I thought there was going to be a rebellion. <laughs> I, I thought that she was one of the best parts of the movie. Same actually. here. Hey, yeah, no, she was definitely a highlight. Gave Legolas a little bit of background and kind of why he hates dwarves some more, maybe. Right. And also fleshes out the character of the door is one of the dwarves as well. And she's, you know, a badass in her own right. She's like a better archer than Legolas or as good as. And her braid is also badass. Once they meet the Wood Elves, things pick up and the movie seems to find more of a focus. And it, yeah, it's still really long, but I, I enjoyed myself much more after that point. The biggest problem I feel like is that The Desolation of Smaug doesn't feel like a movie in and of itself. It feels like just the stepping stone to the third film. I mean, that's kind of the issue that the second Hunger Games also had, right? Well, right, and that's one of the main things I complained about in in that film, is that it doesn't feel like it exists on its own. We don't even have, like, a proper ending. It's just, like, TBD. (laughs) Right. And, like, the Lord of the Rings movies, each of those movies, yeah, they're all part of one larger story, but I feel like each film feels complete Mm -hmm. by itself. And even The Hobbit, for all of its flaws, did have a sort of kind of rather weak arc yeah. <laughs> that it that it followed. And this movie, it just feels like they start a lot of different story arcs, but they don't conclude anything. No, because we have chapter three coming right up. Right. I, I just thought that was interesting, though, because even in the two towers, yeah, they start some things that they don't finish, but there's, there's like that big, huge battle at Helm's Deep at the end, and it feels like this big climactic finish to that part of the story. There's nothing really like that in this movie. You're totally right on that. Hey, at least as opposed to the first one, they got The Hobbit and Smaug together. Yes. Because all of us Sherlock fans were getting really antsy whether or not Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch were ever going to interact. (laughs) I I really hope in the third film it's just Smaug changing his name to Smauglock and teaming up with Bilbo to go solve mysteries around Middle-earth. I'm okay with this. That'd be awesome. Get on it, Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think that Smaug, everything with Smaug is handled really well. I, re- I really like that. Probably best dragon that I've seen in a long, long time. The animation is pretty awesome. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. The effects work in the Hobbit films is really hit or miss Yes, for me. Like, like there are certain things that look really fantastic, and then there are other times where I'm just like, really? This yeah. is the, the, your final effect? That you went with? I mean, I don't know if you stayed for the whole credits. I made that mistake. But it's a good, like, 10, 15 minutes of just different special effects companies. Yeah. So, so Weta didn't handle it all? I think they handled the most of it, but they were backup people, too. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, overall, I can't say I, I loved the movie. Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy a lot of it. 
and like the movie ended and I did immediately want to go see the third one. So I guess that's a positive. Yeah, that's a mission accomplished there. It picked up enough, especially in the second half, where the film ended, and I was like, all right, okay, I want to see what happens next. I'm on board. Yeah, not enough Radagast. That is a lament of mine. Well, see, that's interesting you say that, because a lot of people hate Radagast. I know, but it's Sylvester McCoy, and he's so campy. (laughs) He's adorable. He is. He is adorable. Maybe he'll pop up again in the third one. As he ought to. (laughs) All right. Any other thoughts on the desolation of Smaug before we dive into spoilers in part two? Nah, we good. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for part one of our episode on The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune into part two for a much more in-depth look at the film. And don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing a film that is, I'm sure, generating a lot of awards buzz. It's going to be what everyone is talking about come Oscar season. Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. All right. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, The Briefing Room, and The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at MCASTIMovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. And they can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at BOFCA.com. You can find some of my writing at MovieMezzanine.com and Pathios.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener. And I'll follow you back so we can keep talking about The Hobbit. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!